going on one second. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. You guys are going to be amazed at the guests I have on today. Now, he's told me that he's been on other big shows like Leak Project and Forbidden Knowledge News with Chris. And um, I think he was on Spaced Out Radio. It said on his website. I, I have with me Jared Murphy. He's the author of the book, It's Not Aliens, Worse, It's Us, Discovering Our Lost History. And you know me, lately, I've been having people on that talk about our lost history, whether it was Ari Aslan who came on and said our, our history might only been 4,000 years old, or, you know, other people saying that, you know, our, our world, our history was engineered through the world's fairs. This is just another look at, um, you know, what how people consider what ancient aliens might have built, Jared is simply saying, no, it's not. It might have been us. It might have been us from cataclysms that have lost. And he's found this amazing story. Let me read you about his bio and we'll get into it. So it's going to be a good show. Self-experimenter and field researcher of ancient, ancient technologies and lost history, Jared Murphy has traveled the world searching for evidence of advanced ancestors and high technology. Jared has discovered all the evidence of many that which many indicates a global geobioengineering program. This will change the way we look at the earth and our, our own history. Jared's latest work, the documentary Terra Corey, is newly released on Not Aliens YouTube channel. And his website is Jared Murphy YouTube channel books. Is, it's aliens worse. It's not aliens worse. It's us discovering our lost history. And do you have an actual website too that I missed, Jared? Yeah, it's uh, notaliens.com and not aliens on YouTube and not aliens on Rockfin. Okay, great. So thanks, thanks for getting all that. And um, thank you again for joining me. I think this is an amazing opportunity and I'm so happy to have you on. I love talking history and I love talking about lost history. It's, it's something that really, it, it, it really is at the top of my list of things to talk about. Um, I, I think some people are just born that they, they get interested in this stuff. And some people, they're like, oh, but for people like you and me, it clicks. Like, I don't understand it as well as you. Like, I'm trying to understand, like, what you're talking about. Okay, where, where, you, I'll let you start wherever you want. Like I said, thank you for joining me. Um, how are you? Sure, I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for everyone listening. I'm, um, yeah, I do, like, on my uh, website, you'll be able to catch like the different shows I'm on, I'll, I'll definitely post your show, just links for everyone. But whether it's Leak Project, uh, the only thing you're not going to get on my website is I've been guested on, uh, I've been on um, uh, Coast to Coast a few times. Uh, definitely check out Richard Searitt's shows. I've been on that. And so there's a lot of shows, but then there's a lot of information. Like I just did the Leak Project virtual conference. So the, those, uh, it's in three parts, but that's available on YouTube. If you want to check out the latest conference I did, that is free for you to view. And yes, TerraCore, the documentary I put out, which for whatever we slam through today, and I'm happy to come back is a good bookish a book, good bookends. If you want to get on um, Not Aliens, there's links to it. It's on my uh, YouTube channel. But that documentary I just put out, I'd appreciate for everyone to go check it out. It's 38 minutes. So it's a full length documentary. And that that'll, that'll cover some of what we're going to talk about. But it'll be a it is a really complex subject because when I went to start to write, I was going to write originally when I was writing, I've always been interested in all this, you know, I've been interested since I could learn. I wanted to be an archeologist. I wanted to be a, well, I wanted to dig up dinosaurs and then came Indiana Jones. And I'm like, I want to find the golden statue. And the last thing I was interested in were big megalithic ruins. I had zero interest in megalithic ruins. They were dumb. <laughs> I didn't like you wonder why they even exist because they have no it, it seems like they have no purpose but they might have had a purpose in our past like or they yeah. were maybe they were we don't know why they were put there that's what makes me scratch my head literally like it's like why did they put them there and it, it had to be maybe advanced uh humans when I start to spin my wheels in my head I think like well why why couldn't it have been us like from a from cataclysms I mean is that what you're getting to basically like yeah, it it well, yeah. It what what what's weird is the roller coaster of emotions it goes through. Because I like everyone. I grew up in a period where you go to the Natural History Museum, everyone's in loincloths, banging rocks, and pounding out animal skins. And so when I'd look at these megalithic ruins, you know, all I could picture was what you're told, which is they're dragging ropes around big rocks because apparently, in between hunting and surviving, you have all the time in the world to 
laser cut and guide together polygonal construction to avoid earthquakes. Somehow, <laughs> the- that's amazing. That 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 that, that, that makes it, I get it because like they were yeah that's awesome like that that shows your your point right there like that this was an advanced civilization of some sort that was already highly advanced in us in different ways right. Yeah. And what happens is, is that the book takes on such a vast amount of info and it's just the subject, which is how do you discuss structured water, conscious water, uh, human genetic memory, synesthesia, quantum mechanics, quantum physics. Uh, if a tree falls in a forest, does someone hear it? How do you discuss all of these different, uh, what we think of as different religions or practices like uh, or paranormal investigations, we we tend to look at all these different things and go, well, they have a piece of the truth. Well, that seems right. That seems right. That doesn't seem right. That seems close, but no cigar. But how can they all be separate? And we're all saying, oh, there must be a unified theory. But when you start looking instead of at the Natural History Museum displays and you start looking at, okay, what's in the ground? What are the facts? Uh, not what they want to show us, but what are the facts? And when you start to piece it all together, when I did uh, three days in, so I, I know I, I talked about this off air, so I'll start here. So I was going to write a fictional story, which I've been told to continue to write, which was going to be governments going after uh, the oldest mummies they could find, because there is a relationship to these ancient high technology constructions that must relate to a society that was here based on our religions, the, the Hindu Vedas, the, there's just these indicators that there was nuclear technology or sound and frequency technology that was here prior. So there must be a connection with these old mummies. And I thought that I'd write a story about governments finding old mummies, reanimating them. And then through their handlers, they would remember on occasion some old piece of technology and they'd go find it. That would be the plot. So three days into research, I see this archaeologist on a show that I mentioned in the book uh, right now. That, By the way, that book is only available via audio and from my member area in Not Aliens right now. I'm under uh, a negotiation for a new uh, publishing deal with a new publisher. So right now it's only audio. But uh, so when I say book right now, it is audio only. But it's uh, right now they uh, so they're on this beach off of the Amazonian River. They're about to go to where Brad Pitt was, uh, who played Colonel Percy Fawcett, who disappeared in the Amazon jungle, never to be seen again. Uh, they stop and they show this uh, Discovery Channel host. I actually I don't think it was Discovery Channel, but either way, they're showing him this. Hey, this is called Terra Preta. It's a soil, and they're standing in front of a huge. Uh, I mean, he's it's above his head, and they're like, "Look, it's called Terra Preta. It's." Uh, uh, piezoelectric. It has self-propagating technology. It seems to self-replicate. It uh, is the richest growing soil on earth. It's uh, approximately, we estimate in the, in the area of Brazil alone, uh, twice the size of Spain of Terra Preta has been made. It's man-made. And the last thing she says about it is, well, soil scientists have been trying to recreate it for a hundred years, but we don't know how to do it. So anyway, let's go over here. And I'm like, hold what? Hold on. And that was the start of almost four years of research, which concluded that, well, it's not even concluded, it's ongoing, which is this Terra Preta is not only in Brazil and Northern Central, it's in Central and South America, North Central, South America. It's also in North Africa. It's also in South Africa and the savannas. This is a man-made soil that filters heavy metals, filters carbon dioxide. So, uh, you know, we could digress right there with how many people or things were on the planet at some point before catastrophes that they thought of engineering a soil to just handle carbon filtration. I mean, they were already doing it. And and so we have the younger driest. So one of the first places here's, I mean, without getting further into the book, I'll just digress right away quick and say, well, we all know that there was a biblical or younger Dryas, you know, like somewhere between 11,600, 12,600. And uh, we've narrowed it to 12, 6, 12, 7 to 13,000 years ago, there was a flood or a, a worldwide disaster. But the one that gets talked about a little bit more now and not, not as much is there was a, the worst disaster we know of in our 
almost recorded history is Mount Toba going off, which was a super volcano, which basically uh, reduced the human population on earth potentially. Okay. They're not really good with figuring out the weather in three days. And I feel like this is how they predict our past. Um, So the statement goes that the experts in quotes believe, and, and I'm saying this a little skeptically, but they, they believe mainstream academia that, this giant volcano goes off 75,000 plus or minus a thousand years ago. It's so bad that the human population on earth is reduced to 26 to maybe a few thousand breeding pairs. And they always put it in terms of pairs. So that would be four to 8,000 to 52,000 plus people is what they're saying that, that the entire planet got so crap kicked about 75,000 years ago. So when you think of the ice ages and the glacial uh, movements, and you think about nuclear winter, really, you could say that from 75,000 years ago to 12,000 years ago, that the younger Dryas, that the the biblical flood might really be like the end of the end of the rewarming of the planet, that 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 disaster is really just the melting of what was likely caused by Mount Toba. And that doesn't get said a lot, but then there's an interesting, curious thing in our genetic history, which is Denisovan, Neanderthals, and humans, we know academically, we're all, they'll, they'll say it again, this is standard academic answer. This is not my maybe kind of answer. This is what we is written on paper. It's said that it is likely that we were all breeding together genetically based on our record at least 50,000 years ago humans, Neanderthal and Denise Van were breeding together about 50 plus thousand years ago. So quite frankly, you could say maybe that there were groups of different human beings on the planet simultaneously. Mount Toba goes off and right away you can make an argument. Well, it must've been really bad. And these groups had to survive together. And then that's, that's one digression, right? But that, that gives us a time frame of where did these giant megalithic, 1,000, 3,000 ton um, precision built buildings come from and when were they built and by whom? And the first assumption is aliens. The reality is that it's humans. The question is, did they build it after that explosion? Did they build it or were they part of a society that goes back further? And now the only thing we can talk about are records from stories of legends and myths from Sumeria and from our 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 Western world, or versus the Eastern world, which you have the Hindu Vedas going back millions of years. You have the Sumerian kings list going back two hundred and fifty six ish thousand years. Two seventy three. Yeah, I missed something like that. You might be right. I'm. Oh no, no. There's you know you're dead on because there's a there's a number of kings it's not one kings list for everybody listening what's really interesting is that there are still literally millions of cuneiform tablets that are not translated and there are open databases for you to go look at them but at the same time there wasn't one kings list they were kind of a standard it was a very important thing to know so the kings lists are found all over sumeria assyria so syria um they're found in the ground also, I wanted to say there's an Egyptian kings list too. I oh, did yeah. a show with a guy, um, Sam Osmanovich. He's the founder of the Bosnian pyramids, and I, I yep. want to link you up with him because I think you two would do a great show together. Because the stuff you know and the stuff he's uncovered with the Bosnian pyramids, I think that's a show that needs to happen. Like you two, um, but anyway, um, that'd be he, great. I just missed him when I was in South Africa. He's um i just missed him i couldn't stay so i would love to that's one person i haven't actually spoken with uh that would be awesome that i would love to do an interview with that'd be great he he told me there's an, what i wanted to say was he told me there's an egyptian king's list too that goes back thou- hundreds of thousands of years so oh, that would be interesting i know there's one the solon the greek talked to the egyptians and said that they had a king's list that went back thirty six thousand years but I'd be really curious if there was one that went back even longer. I know there's one that includes the gods. Uh, so maybe that, well, and again, I find it funny that, again, the minute we don't know who they are as humans, they become gods. You know, it's always like the furthest back you go, it's like, well, it must be gods. And, so and it's what, could have just been advanced humans. Yeah. I mean, we look at technology now. I mean, 
if you swiped a screen and suddenly it got bright, why wouldn't that be magic? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, we're, we're, we're working on magical devices, nanobots, nanotechnology, um, things that we think of as superhuman. Now we're just standard issue. I got to study with Wim Hof. So when it comes to like genetic examples outside of synesthesia, I got to meet the Iceman uh, when he first time he came to America and I practiced the cold therapy and the breathing technique and the way to regulate not only when you feel cold, but your inflammatory response. I got to learn how to do that. But one of the things that Wim talks about the Iceman, uh, Wim Hof method, uh, it's uh, considered to be a reactivation, a reawakening of a superhuman ability that we all have. And he says that it's like, this is something we've forgotten to do. It's something we've forgotten how to do. And I think that's true. A lot of times we credit something with just a strange or uh, a one-off, but Wim is repeating that technique and people are in mass learning to re-regulate their inflammatory response, re-regulate their heating and cooling. Um, That's happening, but it seems to be part of a suite of abilities we've had that now get chalked up to, oh, there's a superhuman that can hold his breath or whatever. And Stieg Severinsen, breathology of yet again, another um, right along from the Netherlands, right along from that same area that Wim is from where, you know, there's a YouTube video, a time-lapsed breathology. I mean, again, also superhuman, also does the cold therapy, but Stieg sat on one breath for 22 minutes. Wow. And, they didn't yeah. they say that, that person would most likely, regular science would say he would be dead in three minutes, right? Right. Well, and he was underwater. He was like floating in water face down and he was monitored by the Guinness Book of World Records. And he did it. And here's the other thing. He did it comfortably. And I can go, you know, I do the Wim Hof method and I can go five minutes. I can't go. I can't go that long, but there's variations. I mean, the point of the technique isn't to hold your breath. The point of the technique is to connect to inner systems that might be external. Um, For instance, just to jump around a bit, like um, we have a magnetic field around us, you know, so Carillion photography, you have that whole ability to capture that aura, which even standard academia is looking at and saying, well, there's a good chance that maybe your mind, that your actual memories are not stored Uh, just in your brain they're stored in this field and that field's part of a collective field that's part of what we're calling the collective human consciousness and so when you concentrate one of my thoughts on it to give another example for listeners is the idea that you know everybody when they think back or they recall or they get put in a hypnotic state they're always cleopatra they're always mark antony they're always somebody famous they're never bill the crap collector at the frankfurt zoo from ten thousand, you know like you know like 1000 bc they were never the guy working on zookeeping that's, that's you know funny. That's but so, you're right you're right they always want to be there something special so does that show that hypnotic regression is like faulty you think? No, but well, here's my thought on it. Um, I'm wondering if when you and I and the rest of the world is connected through a collective consciousness and, and what, if the, what if the myopic truth and, and rejuvenation or regeneration uh, is actually that all of its ones and zeros where this giant broken in safe mode world that we're in now that's not functioning at its highest level had the ability to recall each of us and our individual form but say you and i were accidentally completely wiped out perhaps some of these large osirian like boxes or machines were actually part of your worst case scenario of all the memories all the ones and zeros everything that makes up you can be stored in multiple zip files which are genetic and therefore you could recall an entire person so in the case of being cleopatra what if it's just that you can either recall a collective group file or within yourself to give you an example of being able to recall someone else's life you might actually remember moments of their life but it's not that you lived it it's that you're able to recall their actual broken zip file which we currently can't put back together and turn cleopatra back into a living breathing person but you're saying uh, that we might have the technology to do that at some point. That yeah, because currently, like in 2000, so in 2008, Harvard came up with a way to store the first thing they did. Well, okay, the first really big thing was in 2008 they stuck a 50,000 word book 
on genetic, uh, basically turning our genetic four letter system into a, a one and zero system. So they could store actual data on genetic tissue. Fast forward, it's now 2020, you know, where, where we are now, they can store over two terabytes on a gram of DNA. Wow. Every, yeah. So everything that makes us, everything that we know, every bit of knowledge about how to do anything and everything and every single mathematical, you name it, everything we know, every book we've written could be stored basically in two elephants. <laughs> that, that's amazing. They would still be hungry. They would still be elephants. They would still want to like poop and eat, but they would also happen to store everything we know. And that was if it was like intentional ones and zeros. And the thing is, as long as they kept having kids, uh, you're set. You now have stored all the information on earth. And here's something I've never said on any other show ever, just pointing this out. Uh, For a long time, you know, I was fascinated as a kid about the 16, 17, 1800s and the whaling industry. And we know that there's a shark in the Baltic that lives to over 400 years old. And we know that whales, like some of them that are washed ashore now, they've had, or there have been whales that have been found that have unexploded torpedoes that are almost 200 years old in them. Oh my God. (laughs) So you have to wonder what if, what if there was like a, overall recall systems set in place where some of our deepest most high-tech ancient files are stored in these creatures that can jump longer generations than the current human minimum safe mode mode versus the Sumerian kings list or the egyptian or the biblical saying we used to live thousands of years i mean the reality is that you need bigger and bigger memory files but the reality is that i mean we know a lot of things now but it's you know, two elephants ain't that big, but if you had billions of people, way more than we had currently, and we know this, that the population was different than it is today because of the amount of engineered soils all over the earth that Gobekli Tepe was a cool thing to find in Turkey. So for everybody, they say it's one of the oldest, I'm not going to say it's the oldest, they say it's one, <laughs> they've dug 5% of it up, and they've now claimed it's the oldest Uh, man-made structure on earth and of course it's in the western hemisphere you know we just forget everything that happens in siberia and russia and china and and asia but let's just not go there right now all i can tell you is that there is more ancient engineered soil all over earth where there's not supposed to be settlements than there is gobekli tepe which again there's six tepes and they're only and only gobekli is only five percent dug up they're already yeah right i wanted to ask you a question can we like obtain this soil and use it for like humanity like is it i mean like are they using it now to grow food or there's a well there's a so it's yeah so it's the modern industry term is uh biochars and there is okay so the old one directly to your question there's a professor in kansas that's been working out or trying to work out the original one. There's other scientists that look at it, but they tend not to talk about the antiquity of it. They tend not to talk about it in terms of its history because it's a super source subject to standard academia. It doesn't fit the model. It's, 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 oh, it's such a big hot potato. But if you and I, so modern, what they call biochar. So the content of Terra Preta has like, um, okay. Let's say you and I were going to open an apple orchard and sounds simple enough, Johnny Appleseed, you know, put some seed in the ground and it's going to grow. Uh, there's an actual biochar mix, just like a planter pot mix for a particular plant that says, well, hey, if you guys are going to open up uh, orchards, well, you want this particular biochar mix because it helps apple trees grow. And we'd be like, yeah, that's exactly what we need. So add that into the you know, our expenses for opening up the farm. And so there are definitely different mixes that they've mimicked. They've done their best to mimic what Terra Preta, what they found, but no one that I know of has actually duplicated, not even close. No one's duplicated the original soils that were found. And then the other thing is uh, something you said earlier about how there's been multiple catastrophes. So let's just say, 
there's a super society, just like all these kings, let's say, and it's pre-Mount Toba. So it's pre-75,000 years ago. So some of these giant megalithic constructions, and not only that, we're always assuming that those are the only things that were built. We're forgetting that if you're in a society with flexible glass, like the, the Romans talked about flexible glass. Well, were they actually talking about plastic or were they talking about glass that was really flexible? That'd be a great nanotechnology, but maybe it was just sheets that were left over from an ancient, ancient time. But what if, what if a lot of the structures pre-Mount Toba were also made out of wood, also made out of metals, also made out of things that would be long gone after abandonment, but in the digression, different survivors would take over constructions like the Inca or the Aztecs, the Olmecs, the Toltecs, the Egyptians. They all said, even the Greeks, the Temple of Delphi, they all said the gods built this, the gods built that, the gods yeah. built this. We all showed up after the gods left. So it's like, well, okay, either gods built it or humanity has a much longer story. And that little wave of the hand when you say prehistory, uh, is stupid. Stop saying yeah. prehistory. What's There's funny is, uh, is they, they took the part of the ma- mainstream history takes the part of the Sumerian kings list that they want to use and they show that off to the public and then they, they actually say, I've heard people say in mainstream history that that other, the other part of the, the other part of the kings is, is, like, is like made up and it's not correct. Like they said that they were, you know, I can't remember the exact phrase they used. I don't want to sound like an idiot. But they they actually tried to deny the the later kings that goes back to the two hundred and seventy three thousand yeah. years, and I couldn't believe that. Like they start with um the first city, which is Eridu, I think, which um you know, and I I, I think that was Atanya, who who is the legend of Atanya, who was founded Eridu, and I, I think that was the first city. Um, but anyway, but before that, there's like Alulim and all these other kings, and like. You know, they, they, they mainstream history doesn't accept that. I, I, I think that's BS. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's well, it's funny because then they'll go to a ziggurat and they'll say, oh, this is a really interesting structure. It seems to be based on pi. And then, <laughs> OK, so they knew pi. That's a big number. And uh, and again, if you're dealing with a very ancient, a lot of these ancient structures have pi incorporated. So for people out there who are thinking on this, remember that. Pi has an extreme value in reference to Egan values, which are frequency values, which have to do with, oh, frequencies and energies, which is exactly what these societies were. But at, also there's the Babylonian Plimpton tablet, and there's, the, uh, there, there's two tablets in particular from, and by the way, when we were talking Sumerian tablets, a lot of what we have, these Babylonian, um, a lot of the tablets we have come from us uh an assyrian king a lot of what we have translated they're, right yeah they're they're not actually and jen deo my co-author on my next few books she's an archaeologist um but the we did a whole thing about looking at the anunnaki and where the where the misses are on all this and one of the things that we don't actually have is a lot of Sumerian tablets from we don't have there's millions untranslated literally there's you'd think that once you get a society figured out, you'd want to like translate all their information, but they haven't. There's to this day, you can participate in working on translating Sumerian tablets. But what I find interesting, okay, I was going to give you two examples of these two tablets that were found. One was considered a teacher's aid. I do write about this. It is in, it is in the book, uh, but the Babylonian Plimpton tablet, what's fascinating about it is it appears to be a document. It appears to be a plate that a teacher would use to help other people learn how to do really advanced math. And particularly it's basically you're dealing with the Pythagorean theorem and you're doing work that wasn't supposed to happen for almost a thousand years. And this is clearly standard mathematics for this person who's teaching or using it as a, as a reference book, this Babylonian Plimpton tablet. And then there's another one that basically has a base 60 math system that is spherical. So basically the math system is if you're trying to figure out something geometrically in space, uh, this would be a very important way to do it. This math system is more accurate if you're going to like make a giant stone sphere or work with polygonal walls or build structures that have to do with frequencies and energies. So we are looking at a degraded society that is squatting on the ruins 
of what is a much more advanced or nearby advanced, uh, abandoned, obliterated, lost in time societies, remnants, and they're finding pieces of it and they're incorporating those pieces. And for whatever reason, they were using this base 60 math, uh, spherical math geometry and why they were working with the Pythagorean theorem when they were doing it. That's up to them, but it still makes no sense then that they don't know how to do math when it comes to a King's list. And they're like, yeah, they were really good, but then they just didn't know what numbers were after 6,000 years. They were like, it it makes no sense. I want to show you this. I don't know if you can see it in the camera. I got this. This was before Zachariah Sitchin. It's um, uh, George Smith, the Chaldean account of the deluge, which is George Smith. He he translated the, He's like he was like an Assyriologist uh, slash, you know, um, back in 1873, he uh, he translated this and it has some of the similar names. It has like Enki Enlil, but I think Enlil's Kronos in this or something. It was oh, like, that's cool. like a real it's like a real. Um, and then I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were on the Mayans, like because like I'm sure you, you you're a really bright person. You're very intelligent. I really appreciate that. Like, I, I'd love to learn as much as you, and and I'm trying to hang with you. But like, you're. But what do I want to know is like, what do you think about the minds and like what they predicted about 2012 that we would all become like new humans and awake that they knew things and like that the Sumerians knew about astrology and that that like, um, and that the minds knew things too. I mean. Now, I guess that's another reason why we attribute this to gods, because like it's something of knowing that that is like not known. But maybe maybe we had those characteristics when we were um, more back in antiquity. Maybe we were more advanced. And what what are your thoughts? Like, well, I think um, I think where a lot of us get, by the way, that book. Okay, I'm going to answer that question, but. You got to send me a picture of that book because that looks really fascinating. Okay. That um, I actually, I want, I like older stuff like that. And um, this is a uh, very important because so for people who are listening and get interested in the subject or they're kind of moving along, you have to remember that anything that anyone of one were Westerners. So we have this bias towards, Everything started in the Fertile Crescent. Everything banging rocks, Fertile Crescent. Oh, it also corresponds with Garden of Eden. Ooh, uh, Greeks, Romans, everything cool is Western. The end. That's like the whole like, and then we go, oh, there's silly things and fun things that happen in the East. No, um, you by disconnecting us from a full um, view of our past by only focusing and fascinating with the, or just kind of over musing on the Western story of things, we are getting it wrong. We are getting it. Uh, I think we're, we're getting like a third of the story because part of the Western story is that nothing happened in the Americas and whatever happened in Asia, whatever. But we have megalithic ruins in Japan. We have megalithic ruins in in Jakarta. We have megalithic ruins all over Asia, underwater. We have megalithic ruins in America. And one of the most important sets of ruins are off the coast of Cuba. And they're 2,300 feet deep. And it appears to be a full pyramided city. And, 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 And so I write about that. In fact, that last conference I did, uh, you can see that on Leak Project on YouTube. But What's important is that there's been a lot of shifting sands where when we tell ourselves, when we put the lens on of this is super important, everyone, because I got just as excited about it because we're looking for these slivers of truth. So we get, I went full bore personally at the Sumerian origin stories, right? I went full bore at trying to read direct uh, word for word translations of the Hindu Vedas. I, you know, and reading the Bhagavad Gita and other uh, considered religious texts and or historical texts. I've, I've tried to look at both. So the stories don't add up when, when you, and, and what happens then is like, okay, throw it. And when I say stories, so I'm referring to um, religious stories. I'm referring to woo-woo stories and Arthur and Merlin and you know, fill in the blank there, but to to be polite to everyone. But at the same time, uh, what happens then is, is we go, okay, wait, there's a Sumerian story and it goes back 200 something thousand years. And it's all about the Anunnaki. And it's like, okay, 
I'm going to bang my head on the wall three times and then we're going to talk again. Because <laughs> what happens is, is that the Anunnaki stories are, again, they're windows that go back uh, about, are they really talking kings or in quotes, gods, or are they actually talking about individuals? Just like the Bible talking about Jared. Jared is the second oldest name in the Bible. My dad named me after Jared for no reason. I'm not sure he liked the name, but Methuselah and then Jared. There's your two oldest uh, Old Testament biblical. I, I, Jared lived to be 997. Yeah. And so the the question then is, is, are these ancient kings, each king, these that we're referring to eight Kings that are listed as living for 32,000 years. Were they just, was that 32,000, just an important number to somebody 4,000 years ago. And is the actual name of the person related to someone who is part of that ancient high society. But more importantly, what we ignore then is all the Hindu Veda stories, which Michael Cremo has talked about over and over. And you have millions of years of gods and people fighting and so millions of years in the wow, hindu works that's amazing that's and, amazing. And, and, i didn't know when right well and and the question then is is okay well let's just say okay great we're gonna just not get a migraine and talk about sumerians and we're not going to talk about well we don't okay jared we, have, we we don't know a lot about the hindu vedas and and okay we've seen ancient aliens and they talk about the flying saucers and the nuclear weapons yeah, i was and, gonna say what do you think about the vermanas or whatever what do you yeah no those are i think those are references to witnesses that saw uh events like at nuremberg in germany in the 1500s uh uh they figure at least a thousand people watched what looked like aerial combat in the 1500s wow. and then lesser known Two years after they saw what looked like aerial combat in Nuremberg, including not only flashing lights and what looked like lightning and ships crashing, but two years later, it happened over Switzerland. Uh, so you have what I think um, are indicators throughout time of us in our more primitive state devolved. We're basically the warlocks in a nutshell. You know, we've, we're, we, we are the ones that were left on the surface well, what I think happened was, is all these mystery underground, not all of them. And what I'm referring to is just like the large megalithic advanced buildings underground, there is some very advanced underground structures. I mean, very advanced, not primitive, but they're, they're, they're just, they're just ruins. They're just rocks. Now they're under Egypt, they're under Turkey, but these are, uh, they're in Bolivia. Uh, Eric Von Danigan invited Buzz Aldrin. Uh, they went to South America. There's even video for it that you guys can all watch. I know it's been featured on a lot of stuff for Eric Von Danigan. And what you have are very mysteriously well-cut underground, not just tunnels, but giant warehouses and rooms. And they're not, they don't have doors and lights on them anymore, or anything left that we can tell. But I think they represent that a good portion of an ancient society made it to survive uh, what was probably just devastating to whoever was left on the surface. And I mean, I know we're jumping around a little bit, so, but there's a possibility that what we are is just kind of like that surviving remnants. And then we saw what we think of as a dragon or uh, a giant may have been um, actual dinosaurs, may have been actual different biological entities on the planet where we think it was like, well, there's no way we saw uh, dragon. Well, you may have seen a dinosaur and it just got into myth, or you may have seen a Vermana, which really was an aircraft. It wasn't an alien spacecraft. It was just a craft with part of a human race. And there's, there's two points we could digress on. One, one is, um, I think those indicators are there because there is a surviving advanced human race that survived that kind of just for whatever reason, good or bad, left us to our own devices. So we're interpreting what we're seeing, right? And we have all these legends and stories, but then the other side we could digress on is that what about the fact that we know, here's our story of humanity, like everybody was in loincloths, officially 50, 60,000 years ago, we were not advanced in any, in any way. And humans, as we know them as modern humans, they, we weren't really okay. Well, if we're leaving out the Hindu Vedas and the 60, 70 million years of history they're talking about. And if we leave out 
the Sumerian stuff that says, well, I mean, there must have been people before the king's list, and that would put us back 300,000 years of humanity. Okay, well, then what are we looking at? Well, the oldest human object found on Earth is a Klerkstorp sphere. Now, not one, there's thousands. They're still finding them. And it's in it's in Africa. It's in South Africa. What is it? So this is, oh, go ahead. I know. I was saying, well, what, what is, I couldn't hear what you said. I couldn't understand what you said it was. What, what did yeah, they find? It's a, they, they're basically, it looks like, they're round. There's different sizes. They have machine rings on them. They're called Klerksdorf spheres. And they're, it looks like somebody had an ancient driving range or a croquet field, and they left thousands of these balls there. And then what happened was, is there was a, a mine. They were cutting up what was now a solid rock from what, what had been, it's a type of sandstone kind of. And they were losing blades on these really sharp spheres. These spheres have fibrous and multiple leveled interiors. They're not natural. There are natural, what they're called, naturally, they're called concretions. You know, there's these round balls that they, they come in really neat geometric shapes. They're not just balls. They have layers, but they're, those are called concretions and they come in different sizes. We're not talking about those in a layer of rock that they were cutting blocks out, they kept losing these blades because they kept running into these really hard spheres. These spheres survived and they started pulling them out and looking at them and they're very disconcerting. If you look one up, you'll see that they have very distinct round, they have three round lines around a lot of them. That's not an unintentional, random, natural thing that happened. They're called the Klerksdorf spheres because of where they were found in South Africa. But here's the disconcerting part. They're two and a half to three and a half billion years old. Two and a half what? to three and a half. Yeah, billion. So how many times did, you know, that honestly sent a chill down my spine because that made me think how many times has this been reset? It, it right. seems like it's been reset. Like someone just hits a reset button and we start over. Like we get so far advanced and it's like, nah, no more. And you're done. And then we all go through a cataclysm and we're done. And that makes me think there's controllers. And I'm not saying they're off world because I know we have human controllers that don't want our best interest. But is there like a controller of this matrix somewhere yeah, that's like pressing a button when we? Or, or what i mean i know that sounds a little bit crazy even it's a little bit speculative obviously it's more than speculative it's crazy to say but no like- i think you're i don't think you're i don't think it's crazy because the question has to be um it kind of goes in with your maya question which is what we we're building to um are these people benevolent are they feeling guilty uh, it's, you know, if it's their home as much as ours. And if it's, if, if we are them and people, and then one of the quickest things people will say, so for instance, the Nuremberg sightings and all these things, and the easy gimmick is for us to say, well, they're UFOs, they're aliens, or they're not from here. Um, again, we now have gene crispers. You and I could grab one and hook up and, uh, start a lab in our, in the garage and we can start designing genes. We can start, uh, engineering our biology. I mean, it's, you can literally have a custom baby now. So the reality is uh, Ray Kurzweil's The Singularity is Near is a great, great, great reference book for all this. Wait, wait, I would argue- you on the Free- Freeman show too? And at the beginning of his show, the one that you did with Freeman, I believe he talks about that there's some clone people, that they actually made clone people. Is that right? Well, so we don't know what our current governments are doing or not doing with technologies that, you know, I used to think that the military was 60, 70 years in advance. It sounds like, you know, again, this isn't an area that I focus on uh, in the sense that it all overlaps because who's advising these people, who's giving them counsel, because the worrisome part is that I don't think any of us are beyond 10 or 15% conscious of where we were. So the problem is, is that if you have a lot of power and a lot of money, you're still using 10 to 15% and your discernment level uh, when you're drunk with power, I think is, should probably reduce you to 8%. And so I think that if they're being advised by any of our advanced relatives or nefarious organizations, the reality is that it's really dangerous because there are people saying things that aren't true. For instance, reduce the human population. And that's bad because I think that the collective human ram that we all use as inspiration, 
I believe that I, I know this sounds the sanctity of life thing, where if I was to say to you, hey, there's someone in the jungle, you know, you don't think they have any value because they're just part of a tribe and they don't build Toyotas or they're not working in a factory. They're not, uh, you know, they're not developing something out of college or, you know, they're, they're not, they're, they're not field of life, right? They're, 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 they're something completely out of my scope of life, right? Yeah. Yeah. But they're not because when you go to dream or when you are looking for inspiration, working out the mechanics of an idea, that collective human magnetic field, that collective consciousness, that quantum level, we know mainstream academic, academic acknowledges there's a collective consciousness that I think we are just starting to hit the levels of Ram that we used to have. And to give everyone an idea of how unpopulated this planet is. If you gave every human being an acre, I have to credit Michael Tellinger with this. He's the one who gave me the visual. But if you gave everyone an acre and you were to put them each on their own acre, you could basically fit 8 billion people in two Texases. What? Are you That's serious? It. That's it. That's how empty our planet is. Would they be crammed? I mean, and, oh, and an acre question, Mike, would, would they be, well, they got an acre, yeah. they got an acre each. By the time you give everybody a road, put them in four Texases. But if you give everyone an acre, an acre of land, that's, a, that's not crammed. Yeah. That's, 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 that's that we could fit 8 billion people into two tax. So we're, what's, what, why are they, why are the controllers trying to say that we're, um, we're we, we, they need to overpopulate or what, What's their well, theory behind this? Like, well, I think it's like cattle, right? Like, you know, it's, it's very weird. Well, this is the scary part. I think we've developed enough technology and we've developed enough medical technology where I feel like they think that, well, you know, 250 million people could come up with this as well. You know, we don't need 8 billion people. These people aren't contributing. And then they're like, well, no, all this work is based on. And also they would say that, well, you know, we have, we have all this scientific record. So people are building off of others ideas and there's just not that many people looking at those ideas. So all these other people are filler and they're extra. And that's where the danger is. That's where the hubris is, is that they're looking at it as if, okay, it's only the, well, we got only 150,000 people in science. So these other people are extra. Well, you don't get it. All of this is part of a collect, even though the system's broken, even though the Terra, the, the planet is broken, it's still, ha- it's listing along and that functionality is based on a collective uh, a mind availability. And, I I, and they're, they're looking at it from a very inhumane way. They're looking at it as like people are numbers and they're not. People have souls, you know, like right. the small yeah. beliefs. Like besides being a part of the collective consciousness, every human's a soul. And I try, you know, no yeah. matter how bad my day goes, because I work a full-time job besides this. No matter how bad yeah. my day goes, like, and I, if I experience an asshole or something, I really try to let it go. Cause I'm like, I, first of all, I don't know what that guy's experiencing. And, and second of all, we're all souls here trying to like make it. Yeah. And, and it seems like the game's against us sometimes, like you know, a lot of times, you know? So like, you know, I try to let things go as much as I can, you know, like, and um, have, have you ever experienced that? You know what I mean? Like, like just to, to be more humane towards people. And it's, it like is, it's, it's a hard thing to translate because no matter what, you're like, how can people be so thoughtless or selfish? Or like, you're really not going to let me zipper into this lane. Like how <laughs> incompetent are you? You know, it's like, you can't, I'm not going to race you to wherever you're going. I just need to get on the freeway, you know? And then, you know, so there's a million different examples and ways where it's like, you know, you're, you're waiting at a grocery register and it's like, there are two open ones. Why are you still not taking one? It's like, should I walk around you? Um, uh, <laughs> You know, and you don't, you don't want to have, you don't want to be short of patience with people. But then at the same time, it's like example after example of how can you be so asleep? How can you accept what you're yes, told? Exactly. How do you not, how do you not question? And so, yeah, there's, I think uh, to remember in, not just in theory, but to truly, t- to truly take to heart what you're saying, to know that we are all operating in a slightly muted, uh, dopey we're only doing 10 to 15% of what we could be doing consciously. And so we, we should have more patience. It's, it's difficult sometimes to do it because of the way we eat or exercise or get distracted with things we think are important. But I, it is, I think it's on the table for all of us to keep working at it. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's a good, I think it's a good place to, uh, 
to maybe stop for today too. Like, and what, what do you think? Like, is there anything else you wanted to go over real quick before we, uh, and then I'd, I'd like to have you on again, like, to, to, sure. uh, would that be all right? Yeah, absolutely. We, we definitely, um, you know, there's a lot to go over for people. And I think that, I guess I was going to capstone it. There's a lot of places for people to look into these things that it's not a question of population right now. It's a question of function that this planet was once occupied globally by what appears to be a megalithic, not just in stone, but in mind and body that there was a, a biologically engineering techno uh, planet of humans that we are we have now refilled uh quite in a broken way and there is lots to gain from our past it's not just a search and recovery it's a search and rescue and there's a lot to talk about from that yeah also i want to get your opinion on like the weird stuff that came up like nasca lines and crop circles i, I heard you talk about nasca lines in another podcast so i wanted yeah. to get your opinion on that so we can go over that too and um yeah, sure. and yeah, yeah. There's definitely some stuff, but yeah, we we can go over that. Thank you for doing this, man. This was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for everyone joining. You can find me at notaliens.com or notaliens on YouTube. Please go ahead and subscribe. Otherwise, Rockfin, you can find me at notaliens there. Also, yeah, that's where I'll be too. Like after our conversation, I think I'm going to talk to Matt. I mean, I'm, I'm already approved. I just got to start videos there. But like, this the censorship's real, man. People don't. People like don't understand it when they when they're not a creator like you or me. It's easy for them to go on YouTube. And I try explaining this to my subscribers. Like I have. 3,800 subscribers and like I try to explain to them like you know like it's easy for you to go on YouTube but it, it's like because it's convenient but they're not giving you the whole truth of what's going on in the world you know what I mean they're not giving you the full piece of the pie and I might put this episode on YouTube I might not I might have to edit this part out but like YouTube's not giving you the full perspective of what's going on so why would you want that we have to find a place where we can all speak our voice and it seems like oh my light when my light's going off it seems like spotify it seems like spotify is uh is that i, I don't know if you can still see me I, it seems like spotify yep. light went out spotify is that place for now you know what i mean because um they 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 they, they don't that's where joe rogan went and they don't they don't um they don't, uh, yep. you know, they're, they're cool with it. Uh, so what do you, what means that where you're going to? Well, I think like you said, you know, as soon as we're done recording, I can, uh, I'll fill you in on the rest of it, but I do think that there's things that are appropriate for to be able to like, you know, when you speak your own mind, it's best to do it on like, like on my website on aliens.com oh, or on right. Rockfin. you know, you need to be on platforms. Yeah. You want to, you want to, you want to have your venues for each of your, you know, what your, whatever the content is, but I do appreciate you being on, uh, having me on. And then, um, I, I'm happy to stay on and for us to brainstorm the rest. Well, yeah, my light went out. I got to figure. I got to fix this out. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get a hold of you here as soon as I fix my light. I'm, I'm gonna stop recording. Okay, I'll get a hold. Thanks, oh, Yeah, I can. I can. You can just stop.